Workday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Clarissa Monter along with JP Ong. It is Hump Day Wednesday, and you know what? It's also a rather odd day. The Mets won their game mm. against the Diamondbacks, and the Padres are leading the Cubbies. Of course, that has absolutely nothing to do with the market and everything. The last is time greener. I watched baseball was about four, <laughs> about four years ago, and I saw a Giants game with my cousin who adores them. And by the way, would disown you if you were a Dodgers or a Yankees fan, except his wife, who is apparently a Dodgers fan. Anyway, before we digress, <laughs> because it is a good day for these markets, and and uh, I wouldn't say it's a home run, but you're de- you've definitely hit a double. For markets here, for lack of a better term, the Straits Times Index is up by 1.1%. That's a great. whole 1.1%. I'd say I, I, that qualifies, I think, as a double in uh, in baseball parlance. 34 points up so far. Actually, about almost 35 points upwards, 3,190. And yes, maybe it's a fair question to ask can we hit 3,200 by the end of the day? Uh, I, I, that's go- that might be, you know, that's, that's going to be a little. Might be a little tough for them to do that, but they are win with a shot of actually hitting that particular target. And even if they don't, 1.1% up. This is a good session so far, or Wednesday for local markets, the Straits Times Index, including the second and third liners. You've got 192 stocks that are in the green against 118 stocks which are trading in the red. So definitely favoring the winners, either whether whether you look at the second and third liners, whether you look at the blue chips. And of course, that very important uh, question, how is value turnover? Mm-hmm. Very healthy today. We are just... We're just 10 minutes out of the lunch break and it is already at 582 and a half million Singapore dollars. So again, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we if we see value turnover breach 1 billion uh, Singapore or, um, dollars five o'clock. by 5 o'clock, 5.30. We did come close to that yesterday. We were about $21 million short, but still, nevertheless, it was, it, it's, it's looking very healthy for markets here and across the region also. I think everybody is trying to uh, uh, take uh, strength or try, try to put on a brave, uh, try to uh, take hope at least from these upcoming U.S.-China trade talks and also these two big policy decisions, the ECB deciding on whether or not they will provide Mm -hmm. stimulus tomorrow. The Fed holding their meeting on Thursday morning next week also. And this could give markets a shot on the arm. And you could see that that there's a definite risk on sentiment at the moment. Safe havens have been been coming down, much to the delight of Japanese markets uh, so far today. Uh, Chinese markets, not so hot. You're actually seeing Shanghai down by about 0.1%. The Shenzhen Bourse down by about half a percent in today's session. Uh, But take a look at the Hang Seng. And if you think that our our 1% gain for the STI is good, the Hang Seng is up by 1.5% and arguably the best performer. I think there's a case to be made now among many investors here in the region as to whether or not it's time to go towards value stocks because stocks over August really came down quite a bit. And maybe now is the time to take a look at some of these stocks that are proving to be bargains, uh, value. Case in point, in in Hong Kong today, it seems that the property stocks have decided that enough is enough and they've picked themselves up. Some of the the biggest developers out in in Hong Kong are trading in the green. The MTR also up by about 1.1%. This despite the fact that there continues to be ongoing Mm. um, concerns and civil uncertainty, at least, out in that particular city. City. But today, it's definitely a, a risk on a day so far. But again, the sentiment could change very easily. Today, though, uh, Wednesday, though, is uh, mm, you're seeing markets be uh, seeming more optimistic and definitely happier so far. And who can blame them, especially the STI up by about 1%. All right. Well, that's all good news. And I think very happy news for the traders today. 
that value turnover for the SDI is very, very healthy. Mm, it's a nice number. Yes, it is. And I think uh, we also have to keep in mind, though, that there are some reasons for and against uh, the case that uh, that the trade war will be will, will ease off. For one, we actually got we actually have a report from the uh, I believe it's the South, South, South China Morning Post today that uh, China is ready to sweeten the deal by re- by by reenacting purchases of American goods before the talks. Mm-hmm. And and whenever you're in a negotiation, whether it's between the two largest economies in the world or whether it's uh, something as, sim- as simple as say trying to buy produce at the market, you t- try to sweeten the deal at least whenever you whenever you come in if you want. Or are you listening? Yes. That that didn't get... I I didn't hear that. But anyway... The, in the countdown right now, China is looking to sweeten the deal by buying some American goods. It seems that they are looking at uh, possibly um, uh, possibly re, uh, restarting purchases for soybean and some other uh, agricultural goods. This, of course, one of those central and uh, more politically sensitive uh, American products that China tends to target during these uh, mm-hmm. t- tended to target during these uh, trade. Uh, Trade talks also, but they're hoping that in return we'll actually see Washington D.C. or the Trump administration actually agree to easing a supply ban on telco giant Huawei. And so I think this is that tit for tat saying, "Hey, I'm willing to do this if you're willing to do that also, and maybe we can come to an agreement." I think China is still trying to negotiate something, but we have seen the Trump administration be rather uncompromising on a lot of items here. They've pretty much adapted an all-or-nothing stance, and China's still going. Really? Not even a little bit? Not even an inch? Come on. Oh, come on. No. Have so, a little bit more tea. And I think this is what's, uh, what's, what's uh, keeping markets a bit on... Uh, just, just keeping markets from really uh, starting a huge rally at the moment. We also have uh, one of the senior White House advisors, uh, Peter Navarro, who's one Basically of their big trade of ours, saying... sort of tampering everybody's expectations. Yeah, he's tampering it down. And CNBC, he did say that uh, we're going to have to let the process take its course. But it's something that... Uh, he and China agree on that there's miles and miles to go before they can come to a trade agreement. I mean, these are the two largest economies in the world worth about, what is it, 37 trillion U.S. dollars mm-hmm. in G- total GDP between the two of them at the moment. Um, yeah, they're going to they're going to need the pro- to let the process take its course, according to Peter Navarro. And uh, I think he's just also trying to um, trying to temper expectations before these talks. Keep in mind, we don't even know when the date is. We just right. know it's going to be sometime in e- early October. We don't know when the schedule is going to clear up. S- so until we get those details, at least this is all we have to go on. China is willing to restart the purchase of certain American goods mm-hmm. ahead of the talks to try and at least uh, uh, lay out a more cordial or diplomatic setting to those talks when they head over to Washington, D.C.? Well, I think it's it's actually a combination of two factors. One, that traders and analysts and, and everyone, investors themselves, were a little bit tired of all the uncertainty. Uncertainty is exhausting. And also the fact that it doesn't take very much to get people to, to just move a little bit. However, you're right. There is that tampering or it would be a huge rally. Yes, I think uh, the, uh, yeah, it, it's either going to be one or the other. And we're, again, just seesawing on sentiment mm-hmm. at the moment, looking at how markets are. But so far, at least here, uh, you know, again, as we mentioned, stocks in Singapore are doing well. Yep. Yeah. And that's good. And since we started the story about the telcos here in Singapore yesterday, you have a continuance of that story. Yes. Uh, so just to just to sh- uh, just to uh, show our listeners or, or or lay out for our listeners here how the blue chips are doing at the moment. 
everyone is uh, looking very happy at the moment. The banks are all up by more than 1%. UOB is up by 2.4%. Yang Zichang up almost 4% today. One of the notable absentees today is Singtel. Mm-hmm. Once again, they're in the red. 0.6% down. They're trading at $3.21 a share. We did talk about AT Curdy's report the other day that said that we could see up more than half a billion US dollars in revenues added to the telco industry here in Singapore by over the next uh, f- five to six years. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, but we also have another report this time from DBS that's, that says that the telco rally in Southeast Asia could end soon. Now, the telcos, it wasn't just the telcos here in Singapore that were doing well in the second, in the second mm-hmm. quarter of the year. It was also a lot of these other select telcos in the ASEAN region also. But according to DBS, the, uh, the recent outperformance of, uh, of the telcos in Southeast Asia has been driven mostly by high dividend yields and merger and acquisition activity. Right. Keep in mind that there were talks that Malaysia Asia's Axiara Group was supposed to merge at least with Telenor's Asian assets, but mm-hmm. that deal actually broke down just uh, late last week. Right. And uh, because of that, there seems to be a lack of, uh, of momentum, perhaps a lack of confidence in this particular sector. DBS's Sachin Mittal, who we've spoken to in pre- <clears throat> previously on primetime on, on a few occasions, also thinks that this could actually see the rally start to lose gas. And perhaps mm-hmm. this is what's really manifesting itself with Singtel today down by about 0.6%. I do want to check in on StarHub. StarHub still flat at about $1.30 a share. But that's not the only update we have about Singtel. On um, the Dow Jones Newswires today reporting that Singtel has signed a memorandum of understanding with China's three major telecom carriers to establish a data link between Singapore and Chongqing. So they're going to be working with China Telecom, China Mobile, China Unicom to provide several seven industrial parks in Chongqing with connectivity to our particular country and thus also see seven tech companies agreeing to use this, this network and digital services for Singtel. It seems that they're trying to deepen their um, relationship, at least, and trying to tap on some of these market opportunities out in China. But today, Singtel, as we, sh- as, as we noticed, they're not really catching a break. It hasn't been the best week for Singtel. They've seen more losses than gains so far. And while only trading two cents lower today, mm-hmm. there are arguably one of the few... Let me just check, actually. I th- yes, I think they're the only member of the Straits Times Index that's actually in the red today. Oh, alongside Dairy Farm. There you go. Dairy Farm down by about 0.1%. They're, they're the only two right now that are trading in the red. Right. Yeah. That's unusual for Singtel. It is. But again, I think, I think it's also maybe the party's just over at the moment. They did have that maybe very impressive second quarter. And eventually, and again, I think this also calls into... Uh, brings up the question, well, these dividend plays mm-hmm. and this flight to dividends and safety, do they have a limit? Is there is there a is this a forever I think that rally question or not? Is also can also be applied to REITs. You can ask that of the REITs also for sure. But I think it's also um, Singtel has been more of a defensive play than the REITs. I think the REITs have been more of a well, we're looking for dividend yield at the moment. But right. I think Singtel was more of a flight to safety. And you're seeing that there's a bit of a risk off sentiment, a risk mm-hmm. on sentiment. Sorry, right. in markets, people are. Uh, trying to flock out of safe havens at the moment. And maybe Singtel is just uh, seeing some of these uh, folks going, you know what, we don't really need... I think we can come out now. I think we need, we need to leave the cover of Singtel for a while. And, and mind you also, this is not a big... It is not a price collapse for Singtel by no, any means. They're just down by, by about two cents. Actually, they've trimmed those intraday losses now to about one cent. But Singtel's still trading in the red. They're one of those few blue chips that are giving up ground on this very um, solid session for the STI. All right. And something else that's happening on the trading floor, at least 
in relation to oil. Is oil prices have seen a bit of a gain in the last couple of days? That's true. Yes. And I think that this has been sustained also today. I'm just going to pull up some of these oil prices for our listeners here. You're seeing WTI and Brent crude up by about 0.8% each. Mm. Brent crude now at $62.86 a a barrel. And they're gaining because of a bigger than expected fall in U.S. stockpiles. So remember, the U.S. has a habit of of building up huge oil inventories. I think it's also down to the trauma of the 70s when they had that oil crisis. And they said, you know, we don't want to be caught with our pants down again. Um, We want to make sure that we have these these stockpiles. But these stockpiles are also indicative of of demand for crude oil in the U.S. And if we see stockpiles come down, it means that perhaps demand in the U.S. is starting to to right itself or the supply glut is starting to write is starting to correct itself and starting mm-hmm. to eat and starting to rebalance so oil prices we did see uh, there the apparently us crude stockpiles fell by more than twice the amount that analysts were expecting right. as of last week also at the moment uh, we saw we saw we saw these the, actually the api american petroleum institute say that crude and for inventories uh, fell by about 7.2 million barrels out in the U.S., and this helped correct things. There's also the fact that Saudi Arabia has a new energy minister, mm-hmm. Khalid Al-Fadi, has, has been replaced, and uh, he has said that he is willing to uphold the OPEC, the, the output cuts that OPEC and friends have enacted. Now, you have that on one hand, but uh, keep in mind these are all supply-side um, supply side moves. On the other hand, you have... Uh, you have um, one of the bigger energy trading groups, Trafigura, actually saying that they might see oil actually fall to about $50 a barrel in, uh, in the short to medium term because of the slowing demand from the world. If the global economy slows down, you're going to need less oil in these industrial, in, uh, in global industries at the moment. And you could see oil prices actually fall down to that particular level. So now it's a question of, well, how much more can OPEC and friends actually cut output and uh, to support these prices without hurting their without hurting their industries? I mean, that, this without hurting cu- themselves, without sure. hurting themselves, because yeah. when you cut output, also there could come a time where you, it, I mean, we have talked about how sometimes it's easy you just have to turn the taps off, right? Mm-hmm. But eventually, there might have to come a time where you go, you know, we might have to downsize, we might have to limit our our capacity, and could this actually lead to to, to job cuts down the road? Perhaps a reduction in oil production capacity. Could this impact the offshore and marine envi- um, industry? of which uh, Singapore has a couple of companies exposed to that also. A lot of questions to be asked uh, there, but uh, for for now at least, oil is uh, looking a bit more confident. Oil prices are going up, but uh, remember it's all because of... uh, of uh, corrections in the supply chain or corrections in the supply coming online. You know, I, I, I have to smile at that statement because I am old enough to remember, and I'm dating myself now, I, I remember oil traders saying... Was the prime minister again? Uh, uh, <coughs> oh, don't you go there, young man. <laughs> you know, I remember she oil traders... Yes, I did. <laughs> um, saying if it's less than 100 US dollars a barrel, it's all over. I, I actually lived through that. Mm. Uh, of course I did, and because uh, I'm still alive. And five years ago, it almost it flirted with thirty barrels. I know, remember? right? Yeah. So it's it's amazing <laughs> what oil prices have moved. It also from. shows that these these industries. I mean, the dynamics change and the and the parameters. But think like about it. These, there was a time when a hundred dollars was that. Oh no, not below that. Yes. And now, if they hit $100, I think there'd be parties all over the world. Yeah, I think it's all... Well, for them. Definitely. But it also goes to show that if it falls below that, it doesn't mean that everybody... Um, the, the world doesn't the come to an end. end. And the industry does not collapse because over those... Over those um, dare I say decades of development, <laughs> you've seen the industry so also, <laughs> you also seen the industry introduce a lot of cost saving measures and also a lot of these efficiencies that perhaps also lets them tolerate oil prices at a lower level without 
having to go bankrupt also. But uh, it's a very fascinating uh, space to, to, to watch also and a very fascinating market because, again, this is also tied very closely to geopolitics. If Trump, for instance, says, mm-hmm. decides to head back head to the negotiating table and restart talks with Iran, for instance, as he said in recent times also, that could see Iranian crude come back onto the, onto the markets also and then add more downward pressure onto oil prices. So very fascinating. It's, a, it's not just a temperature for a thermometer that is for global industries. It's also a thermometer of some sorts also for certain geopolitical areas in the world. Yeah, well... Mm-hmm. What do you have coming up for our prime time today? So today we are back on across the ASEAN since it's Wednesday. Oh, that's we right, it is. We take a look is. at Thai markets. So every, a lot of major markets are gaining ground today. One market that seems to be taking a bit of a breather today is Thailand. The set, uh, the set 50 out in Bangkok is down, is down by about 0.2%, but they're looking relatively flat so far. Um, the question is, can they sustain that rally that they embarked on over the last couple of weeks? Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew Stotts who is of ASTOTS Investment Research out in Bangkok and one of the top equity analysts in, in, in Thailand, is going to be joining us later on the show to talk to us about some of these dynamics that are driving sentiment in Thailand. And mm-hmm. also, uh, he's promised to, uh, to bring a couple of charts with him as well. And uh, we'll have them, uh, you know, and if we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them in detail later on, try to describe them for our listeners. And right. also, I promise that, that if you follow us on LinkedIn... You will see us upload those charts later on tonight. All right. That's what you can expect from JP Ong for primetime when he comes back on at 4 p.m. This has been Market View on Workday Afternoon with JP Ong. I'm Clarissa Montero. You are on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.